This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, where we get the lowdown on Liverpool's next opponents, who of course just so happen to be Manchester United. Now, there were joyous scenes at Old Trafford on Wednesday night when United came from two goals down to beat Atalanta 3-2 in the Champions League, thanks to another Cristiano Ronaldo winner. But did that result paper over the cracks for their manager, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? And even though Ronaldo has got six goals in eight games now, has he made United a worse team? To get the answers to those questions, on Thursday morning, I picked up the phone to Tyrone Marshall, who covers United as part of his role as a senior football writer for the Manchester Evening News. We also talked about Bruno Fernandes, who is supposedly an injury doubt for Sunday's match, who, and I think it's fair to say, is one of the few players from United who would get in a combined team of the old rivals. Plus, we also talked about the form of Jadon Sancho, who, of course, was long linked with Liverpool before he eventually signed for United from Borussia Dortmund. I hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll be back after the match with the post-game podcast. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. Well, hi Tyrone, thanks uh, for joining me on this podcast. Uh, we're recording the morning after the night before at Old Trafford when uh, Man United came back from two goals down to beat Atalanta 3-2 in the Champions League. You were there, mate, reporting for the MEN. What did you make of it? Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it kind of felt classic Solskjaer, to be honest, and, and classic United under Solskjaer. It was, I don't know if famous European night is stretching it, considering it was just a third group stage game, but you know the atmosphere was incredible. And, and the way they... The way they went about it just summed them up under Solskjaer, really. Even first half at 2-0 down, the, the consensus in the press room was that if they get the next goal, then they can win it because they created enough chances. But the the comeback was, I, you know, I put in my piece this morning that it didn't feel like they really learned anything from the comeback. It wasn't like they went in at half-time and there was an obvious tactical switch you could see or there was like a, you know, they're weak at left centre-back, let's get the ball around there or anything. It was purely built on desperation and, and energy and momentum really the uh, tunnel down the, the atmosphere was fantastic start of the second half it was electric and as soon as they got that goal I think the you know the team fed off the energy of the fans the fans then fed off the energy of Rashford's goal and it kind of felt like the momentum was just unstoppable in the second half it's a bit of a a cliche and I imagine a lot of your listeners will probably roll their eyes at this <laughs> but it kind of reminded me of a lot of United's comebacks under Ferguson yeah. and I know this, you know, United are very much kind of living in the past at the moment with, with Solskjaer's references to the past and things like that. But, you know, a lot of those United comebacks under under Fergie were were often built just on kind of relentlessness and energy and momentum rather than any obvious tactical switch. And, and that's what it was last night. So, you know, I'm not going to say it was a false dawn or anything like that, but it did feel like the second half was very much just like a team of world-class players producing 45 minutes at great tempo, spurred on by the fans, and, and that's what can happen. You can't blame United fans for getting carried away in the stadium or at home. You know, Liverpool fans are doing similar after their, their, their win at Atletico Madrid on, on Tuesday night. But it's interesting what you were saying there, that kind of balanced kind of way you, you looked at it. Because I was watching it on BT Sport, and uh, Paul Scholes was, they went to push Scholes straight after the game to ask him what he thought. And he, he said it more or less papered over the cracks. You know, he, he wasn't yeah. too upbeat, really. Do you see it like that kind of thing? You know, and I know that United have been in bad form, but do you think it's a bit of a revival, or do you think? as you say, there's, there's still work to do. I think there's definitely still work to do. Um, I mean, I've not seen what Skulls said, but I, I can definitely, um, you know, it definitely chimes with me. Um, you know, they've been so poor this season 
And the big issues remain there. The defensively, they've got one clean sheet in 20 now, going back to last season, which is just, you know, that is an abysmal record for Manchester United. And they look like conceding in every game. And it's kind of like we're saying, there was no... Soscar had said for the last game, something has to give. But in the, the, the formation was exactly the same. The team selection was basically going back to his favourite midfield of, of Scott McTominay and Fred. So it didn't really feel like anything did give. It didn't really feel like the performance was that different. We know this is a United team that can create chances. We know with the players they've got, they can score goals. And like I said, the, the second half, it just felt like desperation paying off for me, really, which is why it's, it's hard <coughs> to take any kind of long-term signs of a revival from it. It might be that you know they had a meeting after the Leicester game and I think kind of tried to, to flesh a few things out. And it might be that that comeback gives them a real sense of belief. But it's hard to see any tactical traits or anything that obviously changed in that second half that makes you think it's it's a long-term plan. And I think the big issue is, you know, come kick off on Sunday. They can't play that way from the start against Liverpool. They can't go in against Liverpool and, and play with that kind of relentlessness and tempo and throw so many men forward because they're not chasing the game. So they kind of need to find a way to, to match Liverpool up from the start while the score's nil-nil-nil. Still nil-nil. Come on to the game and, and Solskjaer in a minute, but I've got to obviously ask you about Ronaldo. Uh, he's, he's returned to the club, done what everyone expected him to do and, and score goals. And I know you've been writing about him last night and this morning. And he, he's clearly, as well as being a, a supreme goal scorer, perhaps the best of all time. And in, in that regard, you know, he's still got that desire and that resilience. And we've seen it again last night. Is it fair to say, though, that United haven't found the, not, if not the best way to, to play him yet? Because clearly he's doing what he's, he's came to do with six and eight games. But. Has it been to the detriment of the rest of the team? You know, does Solskjaer know which players to play around him yet? You know, how's it gone with him? Yeah, I think they're still... I don't think they've learned yet how to kind of play with with him as the figurehead. It felt at back in the last season like they'd struck upon a good um, kind of... a good approach in attack with Cavani leading the line. And, you know, Cavani's only a couple of years younger than Ronaldo, but his energy and running is absolutely relentless. And his pressing... I think he's one of the best pressing forwards in the Premier League, which is... Probably a mad thing to say about a 34-year-old, but Cavani just does not stop running. And when he's at centre-forward, at the back end of last season, he was kind of setting the tone for the press. Everyone else was following. And now it's such a sea change to suddenly have Ronaldo there, who doesn't really press at all, um, who, who waits for his moments to come into the game. And obviously everyone's got to adapt around that. And it doesn't feel yet like they have kind of adapted where you've gone from somebody pressures relentlessly to somebody barely presses at all and so it doesn't really feel like they've kind of worked out how to to play with him yet um I think they probably still look at would look a more coherent team with with Cavani leading the line but you're obviously not going to drop Ronaldo I think it's six goals in in eight games and he is pretty much a, a as big a guarantee of goals as you're going to get in Europe and he can come up with big moments as he's done in the last two Champions League games so I think it's a case of learning how to to play and set up the team with him. And I think part of the reason they've been so open this season is that lack of pressing. I wrote after the Leicester game that when they're without the ball, you can see them setting up in a really aggressive 4-2-4, but then barely pressing the Leicester defence. And it, it just makes them really easy to play against and, and play through. And Rodgers picked up on that after the game. So it does feel like there still needs to be an, an adaption, really, in terms of how they play and, and get the best out of Ronaldo. But you're right, that is. You know his will to win and his desire is is incredible. He's we've I mean, got a thirty six year old who's won everything there is to win in the game at least twice over. Yeah, he's come back and you can still see how much it, it means to him. The the last three league games when they've dropped points, as soon as the final whistle goes, it's head down, get to the tunnel. 
And it's not, you know, he's not doing that through any sense of sort of childness, childishness. It's just it hurts him that much that they're not winning. And he can hear the clock ticking very loudly on his career and he's come back to, to win another Premier League and maybe another Champions League. And every time they lose in the Premier League or don't win against a team they should beat, you know, he can hear that clock ticking louder and louder. And you sense that he's storming off at the final whistle just because it hurts that much. And then the counterbalance to that is you see last night, and I think the camera showed it and you could see it in the ground, that you know it's a famous win and comeback, but it's only a Champions League group stage game. But he's collapsing to his knees and punching the air and, and screaming to the heavens. And it kind of shows, even at 36, how much it means to him. And I think that that sort of professionalism, that desire and that will to win is, is probably amongst the biggest attributes he can bring the team at the moment. Sure, Solskjaer was toasting him uh, on Wednesday night after getting that win. I got him out of a yeah. bit of a hole because, as you, as you rightly yeah. say, they've uh, been in, in poor form. Uh, how is like the support for Solskjaer? It seems like he's got the backing of the board. You know, I'm watching the game against Aslan. Said, you know, the players were certainly fighting in the second half. What about the supporters? Obviously, they idolise him, given what he did as a player. But how's that kind of mood around Solskjaer at the moment? Um. I mean, it's kind of split in two, really. With a club the size of United, you'll know with Liverpool that you get the the kind of match-going fans and then you'll get a social media element who are also very vocal. And I think, you know, if you, if you take the temperature on social media um, at half-time last night after the Leicester <laughs> game, there's a huge, huge majority on social media and they were giving it hashtag Ollie out. But <laughs> you listen in the stadium last night and from 10 minutes before kickoff, it was Ollie's at the wheel from the Stretford end. Um, and you, there, were, there was... Audible frustration in the first half last night. And that's the most audible I've heard the frustration there. Obviously, there was no fans last season, but the most audible it's been under Solskjaer. But at half-time, as the players walked down the tunnel, they were still singing. I think it showed it on BT that you know Solskjaer was clapping the fans as he walked down the tunnel at half-time, which is pretty rare as a manager when you're 2-0 down. And then even after the game last night, the, they've introduced this new singing section kind of above the tunnel in the corner of the Stratford end, and it's made a real difference to the atmosphere this year. And a lot of them stayed behind last night. And Solskjaer came back out for his mid-TV interviews about 15 minutes from the end and about 15 minutes after full-time. And there was probably still a couple of thousand there. And, and the roar was massive. And, you know, they're singing who put the ball in the Germans' net. And I think there is inside the ground. I don't think United are really the, the type of fans that would turn on a manager anyway. But like I say, Solskjaer is still a legend there. And I think undoubtedly he's still got the support of the match-going fans um, even though I think more more of them are now seeing worrying signs, but generally I think he's still got their support. And like you say, most importantly, he's definitely got the support of the board. And it's noticeable that there's no um, you know there's no dissent from players. There's no there's no noises from players' camps as you often get when a manager's under pressure about how training's not up to standard or anything like that. The players are, are the players genuinely do like him and want it to work. And I think it's you know it's kind of telling that the players. You've got so many world-class players in that team who've worked under world-class managers, but they do still have a respect for Solskjaer and, and want it to work. I want to ask you about a couple of those players, if that's all right, before we get on to the game. Yeah. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, I think you described him as having a heaven and health performance on Wednesday against mm-hmm. Atalanta. And like, uh, you, you take, obviously, Liverpool fans probably won't want to praise him too much, but I think even the most biased red would say he's been absolutely outstanding for United since he, he signed for them. And I, I, I know... This week, you're going to see a lot of combined 11s who'd get in with Liverpool United players. And I'm pretty sure he'd be one of the United players who would get in that combined 11. Uh, but how's he performing at the moment? Is, is his form fluctuating a little bit? 
It is, yeah, and it fluctuates. I mean, anyone who saw the game last night would realise it, it fluctuated <laughs> massively within one game, really. Um, and he's quite, it's quite an interesting case because he has been, like you say, he's been phenomenal for United. But the start of this, that Leeds game at the start of this season was only the fourth or fifth time I think he'd played in front of a crowd at Old Trafford. So it had kind of been a long distance relationship. And his game is, I think he's really unique in, in terms of like, I say midfielders, I mean, he basically plays as a second forward, but. His game is all about, as soon as he gets the ball, it's head up, look forward. How can I get this ball into the penalty area or into Ronaldo or Rashford? And he often tries passes that uh, have got a 10% chance of coming off. If you if you look at, you know, stats play such a big part in the game now. And if you look at his pass, pass completion rate, you'd say, how's he playing in midfield? Because it's often 70%. But that's purely because he's he's high risk, high reward, which is why his numbers are often so good but it does mean that you lose the ball a lot. And Toscar's mentioned recently a couple of times how United are completing attacks too quickly. And I think a lot of that is that Fernandez is getting the ball in, in that number 10 position and then just looking up and through the ball. And often they aren't on. And that was definitely the case in the first half last night. And it was interesting and noticeable in the first half last night that there was real frustration with, with him giving the ball away and the fans were getting frustrated by it. Yet either side of half time, he created the three best chances they'd had to then there was one kind of first-time reverse pass to Fred at the end of the first half, which was brilliant. His assist for um, Rashford's goal was was brilliant. And that's what he can do. So if you want those moments, you've kind of got to take the inevitability that sometimes he'll, he'll, he'll have the ball in a good attacking position and will give it away because he's looking for, for a really adventurous pass, which a lot of other players in, in that area wouldn't try and they'd turn back and, and keep it. But that's not really his game. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. Jason Sancho, how's it how's it going for him? You know, obviously it's been a difficult start for the for the team, but how's how's it been going since he signed from Dortmund? Not brilliantly, really. Um, it doesn't really feel like he's 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 settled in that team yet. Um, I think his liveliest probably his liveliest cameo was against Everton before the international break when he came on as a sub and and looked good. But beyond that. I think he's completed 90 minutes once, maybe, and he's not he's not really affecting games at the moment. Um, and it, it is it is a struggle for him. There was so much excitement when he signed, and you know he's been a long pursuit for Solskjaer, and he was he was pretty much the first player Solskjaer mentioned as a transfer target when he got the job permanently. So he's long wanted him, but you know we're looking we're nearly in November now, and he's still not got a goal or an assist. And the, you know there's there's definitely an element of having to get used to the Premier League and, and the spotlight. Dortmund are obviously a big club, but the spotlight in terms of playing for Dortmund compared to the spotlight of playing for United, there's several steps up there and he still is only a young player. But I think also, you know, there's a lot said and and rightly said really about United's attack and it is very much an off-the-cuff attack really. It's, it's, we've got four world-class players up there, give them the ball and see what they can do. It doesn't feel like there's really intricate coaching going on with that attack. Whereas at Dortmund, I think, the, the, the setup was a lot more kind of um, structured, if you want, and Sancho would know what to do by the runs other players were making and the fullback was making. And, you know, we probably had all these triggers in terms of how he was supposed to move when he was cutting field, when to cross it and things like that. Whereas it feels like United's kind of not, this team's not coached in that way. It's not a structured, so it's a big tactical change for him and does feel like he's still settling in at the moment. And it's been, it's been a pretty mediocre start. I mean, United would say rightly that he's been signed to to be a mainstay in that attack for 10 years rather than 10 weeks. Um, 
but he's he's definitely not hit the ground running. It, it does still feel like he needs a, a moment to, to give lift off to his time at United. Yeah, there's just so many good players to play from, and yeah, it does sound from what you're saying there, mate. Yeah. That really, it's, it's Solskjaer's job to to get them in, get them in check, and give them that shape, and you know the tactics to to go out and do it. Because clearly, I don't think there's maybe apart from City, maybe apart from Liverpool, there's not many clubs who've got the the you know array of talent that Solskjaer's got at the moment. How do you how do you see it on Sunday? Like, how is he going to approach this game? You know, is it going to be a bit like last night uh, where we, as you say, just put four players up top and said go and do go and do some damage? But as you rightly said earlier, that it's it's one thing doing it against an Atalanta side as good as they are. It's another doing it against Liverpool, certainly in the form that they're in. Yeah, it is. Um, I think. I mean, I think it'll be pretty much a very similar team. I mean, I think it'd be definitely be Fred and McTominay in midfield again. Um, obviously, Fernandes and Ronaldo again. And probably Greenwood and, and Rashford, to be honest. I think Rashford's been really good since he came back from injury at the weekend. So, I think it'll be a similar team. And, you know, the difficulty for United is, like we say, that second half performance last night was, I've, you know, I've said it a few times now, but it did feel like it was just desperation and, and relentlessness. But you can't play like that at nil-nil against Liverpool. And, United's biggest concern this season is how easy they've been to play against and how easy it's been for teams to create chances. And you know, Liverpool don't need any invitation to create chances at the moment. They've scored a lot of goals, especially away from home, I think. So it's it's going to be an interesting one. Um, you know, speaking to United fans last night, a lot of them are worried, and we were especially worried pre-kick-off and at half time that it was going to be a thrashing on on Sunday. But we so rarely see that. And it feels like feels like maybe three three of the last four years, four of the last five years, maybe we've gone into this victory at Old Trafford with Liverpool in far better form than United. And the game has been pretty quiet, really. And United have often managed to get a result. So it, it is a hard one to call. I do still worry about United tactically at the moment. I don't think they've got it right tactically so far. Um, and it, I still think... You know, I still think it's going to be a really tough game for them on, on Saturday. I think the biggest thing, on Sunday rather, the biggest thing Wednesday night did for them is just give them that belief and that momentum. Um, but it didn't really feel like anything significant had changed tactically. So I still think that it feels, I mean, it feels like an absolute certainty and they're going to concede, given the number of chances they've given up every game, given they've kept one clean sheet in 20. And that was away at Wolves when, you know, at the risk of getting all statistical, I think Wolves had an XG of over two that game and, yeah. and it was De Gea that kept them in it. And we saw again last night, De Gea made a massive double save at 2-1. He's, he's been brilliant this season, but he's being overworked and it would be a surprise given the United's defence if Liverpool didn't create and at least score at least once on uh, on Sunday. So I think United are going to have to, are going to have to find some goals if they're to get a result. I'm sure it's music to uh, Liverpool fans' ears who are listening to this at the moment, but I'm, I'm probably going to uh, keep the mood going kind of thing. And Liverpool at the moment are scoring goals at will. They could score mm. goals from all over the pitch in different ways. And a, and a big thing for them again this season, particularly since Van Dijk's come back, is, is scoring from set pieces. So dangerous. And I know for United, that's not a particularly strong point defending set pieces at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, it's not. It's not. I mean, the one they conceded last night was... I mean, they conceded to a, a centre-half who was basically playing on one leg and one off injured <laughs> at half-time. And, you know, he's, he's six foot three and I think he was being marked by Luke Shaw who's six foot one and maybe that's being generous. So it, it didn't make a lot of sense. And I think teams... You know, De Gea's obvious weakness is that he's very much a, a line goalkeeper mm-hmm. and he doesn't really come for those sort of crosses. So I think that's... I think they conceded four goals from set pieces in the last five games now, which it was a real weakness last season. I think only Leeds conceded more from set pieces last season. 
they appointed, it's actually appointed a set peach coach in the summer. Um, and as much as his job is to come up with creative routines as well, you would think there's an element of, of stopping the ball going in at the other end, but it's still a very obvious flaw for United that they are conceding too many goals from, from set pieces. So I think, yeah, I mean, if, if that's an area Liverpool are getting joy from at the moment, then it's definitely, um, definitely something for United to be concerned about. And I think every corner might bring, uh, might bring some trepidation on Sunday. So right then, what's your verdict on Sunday? All that told, anyone's listened to this would probably think, right, it's a Liverpool win, but you're rightly you're rightly said, like I know there were goals at Old Trafford last season in the Cup and the League, but there were no fans there and we all know kind of what happened with, you know, teams like, I don't know, Everton for instance had an incredible record against the top six teams. Liverpool's record at home was really poor, so I think you kind of put, put an asterisk next to, to last season, yeah. but you rightly said in past these are really tight games do you think I think that's going to be the case on Sunday can United get anything can they actually beat Liverpool become the first team this season to beat them yeah I, I think it will be a tight game I mean I, I, I wouldn't be shocked if United did beat them and this this has always been Solskjaer's strength these sort of games he's picked up good results against big teams in the past he's, he's done it against Liverpool he's especially done it against City and it often feels you know the number of times in the last couple of years where it reached make or break for him and it's often been against big teams, against City, double-header against City and Tottenham a couple of years ago. And go back two years to that Liverpool game in after the October international break in 2019 when he was under massive pressure in that international break. And I think Liverpool had won eight or nine games in a row at the start of that season. Um, obviously, the year they won the league. And it, it felt like going into Old Trafford, it could have been a thrashing. And in the end, it was 1-1. And I think Liverpool needed a late equaliser. And it was a real tactical triumph for Solskjaer. So... One of his strengths is coming up with with individual game plans for these sort of fixtures. So as 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 poor as they've been this season, it wouldn't surprise me if he managed to find something that kind of negated Liverpool's threat. So I'll go with I'll go with one all. But I have to say, none of the none of the three results would particularly surprise me. And while on on recent evidence, it would be a surprise if United won. It's just kind of it would be typical of the Solskjaer era if they did really. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.